Glowing Older is a coaching firm that supports people to create plans for aging well. Through facilitating conversation, presenting options, and identifying resources, Glowing Older provides curated, personalized service to help our clients discover what's possible for the third act of life. This is our podcast. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Sydney Marshman, CEO at Happy at Home Consulting. Welcome to the program, Sydney. Hi, Nancy. Thanks so much for having me today. Well, thank you. Um, can you start by telling us about your background? Absolutely. So um, my name is Sydney Marshman. I'm an occupational therapist by training and have my doctor in occupational therapy as well as my bachelor's degree in public and community health. And I started Happy at Home um, a couple of years ago now, three, and it just kind of came very organically after I had worked in a traditional occupational therapy setting in a skilled nursing facility and realized that we we could be doing something better. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a, that's definitely where I come from. Um, so tell me about Happy at Home Consulting and the services that you provide and some of your milestones. Yeah, absolutely. We have kind of three trajectories that individuals can access services through. The first is probably the most traditional, which is our rehab services that are typically covered by insurance. So on our team, we have occupational therapists, physical therapists, and speech therapists. We provide rehab services in the home under an outpatient basis. So typically when um, you need rehab at home, you often have to be homebound, meaning that you can't leave your house for anything other than, I believe it's the doctor, church, or the hairdresser. (laughs) And... And that could be a huge barrier for some folks to um, access care. So we're really lucky and happy to be able to provide those rehab services through insurance under that outpatient basis. The second is our wellness consultation. So things like home modification consultations or some resource navigation, those kind of safety evaluations, those are through our wellness consultations. And then the third kind of pathway is through our community partnerships. So here in Iowa, we work really closely with our nonprofits and other um, community programs that share similar missions and values. And we're able to provide OT, um, kind of the OT lens and OT services through our partnerships with them. Well, it it seems like um, your profession, the OT profession is really doing some incredibly progressive things. And I found you on LinkedIn and just was so impressed by everything that you're doing. Um, You with Happy at Home, but also um, the state of Iowa um, is progressive when it comes to aging services. So tell me how you work with your state organizations. Absolutely. So when I started my business in March of 2020, the ideal time to start a business providing in-home services to older adults at home, (laughs) um, I had this unique opportunity and having the time available to sit on these coalition calls and these meetings where all of our different state organizations come together in one place to say, how can we prevent falls for older adults at home? How can we better serve our aging members, our aging community members? 
And it was just a really good time to get a lay of the land of what work is currently being done and how can we provide that OT perspective to provide this more holistic lens as we move forward. So from those meetings, we had some really incredible opportunities, the first being with the Iowa Department on Aging to provide the Capable Program, which is an innovative program providing an occupational therapist, registered nurse, and handyman to help individuals age in place and prevent falls at home. And then we have some other really unique partnerships through Easter Seals with our, who provides our state assistive technology programming here in Iowa. And then we also are actively involved in the creation of the community hub in Iowa, which is a really, really unique program um, specific to Iowa and is actually one of the leading programs in the country as far as how far they've developed this out that takes, um, kind of a look at that healthcare data. So when we're thinking about those social determinants of health and how our social well-being impacts our um, physical well-being, right? So our access to food, our access to home modifications and safe housing, all of those pieces. And it matches those healthcare data points with evidence-based programs. So if someone's presenting to their doctor with a need, with a social need, they're then referred into the appropriate program to fit that need. And it takes some of that burden off of the physician and the care team that truly have other things that they're working on, right? So um, we're really excited to be part of that and see that develop in the last couple of years. It's so great because I'm sure that a lot of these resources that you're bringing to your clients they, they wouldn't have known about otherwise. Yes, absolutely. Especially because in while we're aging and while we're thinking about the next, you know, 20, 30 years of our life and we're retired, we're on a budget, right? And asset protection and keeping managing those funds because becomes so much more important that it's really just it's key to look at that and look at, you know, where are we investing our our budget of funds. How are we, you know, looking at this with a frugal lens and saying, okay, we're going to put our money where we get the biggest bang for our buck. Very similar to, you know, how we invest our stocks, right? So if something's doing very poorly and it doesn't have that great of a return on on investment, we're not going to put our money there, right? Same thing when it comes to aging, we want the biggest bang for our buck. So if we're doing a remodel in our home, for example, we want to make sure that remodel works for us here today, but it also works for us 20 years down the line when maybe we're having um, home care come in to help us with some of our activities of daily living, or we've asked our adult child to move in with us to help with some of those home management tasks. So thinking about that return on investment and how we're able to appropriately budget our funds. Well, I mean, I, I love that you have these principles that get at happy at home, one being the frugal aging and the other being you gotta you gotta spend to save, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are the top three areas that frugal agers need to consider when they're um trying to conserve their hard-earned dollars? First and foremost, of course, I'm biased because I mostly do home modification consultations. So first and foremost is looking at the environment and saying, okay, if we are going to age here at home, 
what are some key areas that need to be renovated or remodeled for us to do that well? The first one I always look at is the bathroom. I think everyone knows. I just saw a client yesterday that said, I know you're going to yell at me for my rugs. (laughs) Not exactly the case. (laughs) Um, But I think we all know that a majority of falls in older adults occur in the bathroom. So it's a very high risk environment. And it's important to look at the bathroom and how you'll utilize the bathroom as you progress in your aging. Um, so many folks that I serve have already have a diagnosis that will change their mobility over the course of their lifespan, like Parkinson's or have had a um, recent stroke or have dementia. And looking at that um, home setup is so important to how we budget our funds and specifically in the bathroom in those remodels. The other areas that I would really encourage folks to look at when it comes to budgeting is building out your care team. So when we think about um, when we're in the hospital, we have all of these providers round on us and they come, it seems like every hour of the day (laughs) to help us coordinate our care and not to the same extent of you know, when we're aging at home, but similar, we should have a well-rounded um, group of individuals that are able to coordinate some of those aspects of care and really help us to age well at home. I love that. And it's, I just was um, reading something recently that if you if you can find out where those pain points are and relieve some of those daily tasks that it allows people to have a better quality of life and more joy and concentrate on the things that bring them joy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that sounds so familiar to the reason that individuals select to move into a community, right? You know, we're taking away the kind of mundane tasks of homeownership. We're not asking people to mow the lawn anymore or to call the plumber to fix something or to replace their furnace. We're reallocating those tasks and delegating them out and saying, okay, or I'm taking this off of your plate so you can add more of the things that you love and the things that you enjoy. And that same mindset should be applied here at home. That's so true. So, um, so Sydney, talk to me about age tech, because I know that these assisted technologies are really going to be game changers. Um, And um, which are the ones that you recommend in your, in your mastermind playbook? Absolutely. Technology is so important as we talk about aging in place and being able to age well at home. I think my first question that I always ask people is how tech savvy are you? Because truly, as we talk about, um, you know, who who's an early adopter, who's a late adopter, and that same thought process applies to our aging population. And we really need to meet people where they're at. So I can't say I have a go like a mastermind playbook that fits everyone. It really starts with that discussion of tell me where you're at. You know, are you um, someone who has the latest and greatest phone who um, uses their computer daily? Or are you someone who still has a flip phone and um, doesn't have (laughs) Wi-Fi? Because technology has such a spectrum of availability. So in OT specifically, we talk about low-tech and high-tech options. To me, a low-tech option is as simple as a nightlight, right? Like a motion-sense nightlight. Very easy, straightforward, 
Whereas the high-tech option to that would be like an environmental control unit where you can program, when do your nightlights come on? Do they detect um, motion or are they set to a sensitivity that doesn't allow the dogs to turn them on? Um, tech is just, it's a really, really critical part of aging at home, but it really takes that conversation, the initial interview process to determine what kind of tech suits you. So. To answer your question, my very um, roundabout way, the things that I most commonly recommend are really based in those activities of daily living. So if we want to take things like med management off our list, we're going to look at tech for um, dispersing your medications, right? There's a lot of great automatic uh, medication disbursements, you know, automatic pharmacies, those kind of things. Um, when we talk about home modifications, I do kind of the spectrum of the smart home environmental control units. So again, are we talking about those low-tech lighting options versus um, something as streamlined as like an Amazon Alexa or a Google Home or as integrated as something in a new build that's more of an environmental control unit for the whole home. And so I would imagine that budget has a lot to do with it. So probably your first question is how tech savvy and then in, in align with that is what what's your budget for technology? Because you could trick out a whole, a whole house with smart tech technology if you had the funds, right? Correct. You definitely could. But at the same point, our, back to the ROI, you could trick out the whole home with the tech, but if you don't know how they're going to utilize the tech, then it's going to be a waste of money, right? So are you um, are you saying that some of these smart environments like aren't like so smart that they can't do it without a smart person? <laughs> <laughs> um, not necessarily, right? Because some of these smart environments really just require the setup and some minimal ongoing maintenance, right? Uh -huh. But to some extent, we still have to have the person that uses them and that appreciates their use. So if I talked about, you know, taking away the mundane tasks like mowing the yard, right? So for me, mowing the yards, okay, I don't mind doing it, but I also wouldn't mind like a robot mower or something that just mows my yard for me. But right. for someone else, mowing the yard might be one of their really um the ways that they find joy in their day-to-day -day activities right so we could provide them a robot mower but they're still saying you know what i would prefer to mow the yard myself i like this specific lines i like the specific cut i appreciate that it gives me some physical activity it gives me some time to um think to myself and to have kind of quiet time without other people so again, it's so individualized in how we provide technology and recommend technology. That's so true because if if you look at this, the whole use it or lose it mentality, mm -hmm. if someone is capable of mowing their of mowing the lawn and that gets them out of the house, outdoors, breathing fresh air, hands in the soil, all that, do you, do you want it necessarily take that away? Probably the answer Correct. would be no, right? Right. Right. And when we're thinking about, again, these community partnerships that we work so closely with, it does really boil down to a finite grant budget or finite dollar amount that we have to work with. So spending those extra dollars on the OT assessment to get to know the person saves us money in the long run because, no, then we didn't buy the robot mower <laughs> for that person who was just going to leave it in the garage so true and and at the same time uh I, it's interesting that the 
the occupational therapy profession is so interesting to me because it crosses over to environment and person. So it's like the getting the environment right for the person and then the person right for the environment, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. So one of the models that I try my best to use with all my clients is the person environment occupation participation. So we're looking at those four components and how they interact with one another. So if the environment's not the right fit for the person, we're going to see potentially a decline in participation. I mean, in a nutshell, your goal is to make the environment improve someone's quality of life. Absolutely. And and not break the bank doing it. Correct. Yes. Again, <laughs> frugal, frugal. If you know me in real life, you know that I am a very frugal person, but one of the... <laughs> The core things that I was taught as a child by not my mom, but actually my dad is if you foresee yourself using it often and getting good use out of the item, it is okay to buy expensive things, Yeah. right? So it is okay to spend money and spend it appropriately as long as you plan to use it and have action steps to take to use it. So once you've done your uncovering of needs, your, your analysis, then it's like, here's our set of recommendations for the things that we think that you can have the best and it'll be your best investment. I love that analogy of the financial uh, situation, investments, because it's really an investment in your life. It's not investment in the markets. Even more Absolutely. important, it's an investment in your life. Right. Right. Which in turn changes how you invest in the market in the long run. Right. Because the alternative is spending all of your money in like a long-term care setting. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, staying healthier longer. And if your environment helps you help you stay healthy, uh, then, then there's the ROI. So do you actually talk ROI with your clients? You know, I should more often, um, most of the time, it seems that I'm working with a lot of clients that are in that crisis mode, right? So I would love to see more clients that are coming to me proactively and saying, you know, how, how do I achieve the ideal ROI? But unfortunately, a lot of the people that find me are specifically looking for me because they are in this catastrophic crisis event. We've all heard that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if we could all plan, right, it would be so, just so much better, so much save money, better quality of life, longer life, all those, all that good stuff. Sydney, what are some, I know we talked a little bit earlier about how progressive Iowa is. What are some of the common state resources, whether they're in Iowa or outside of Iowa, because I'm sure you're, um, you're following a bunch of other states. Um, what are some of these things that older adults might not take advantage of? Yes, I would say first and foremost, getting connected, again, building that care team, right? Because as an older adult, you want to be able to go out and um, spend your time how you choose it, not necessarily keep up with the aging services in your area, right? So you want to select the people in your corner that keep up with the trends and what's coming available. So that's kind of my first foremost recommendation. Um, the other things that I would really recommend people get in touch with are their area agency on aging. So every state has a, we call them triple A's, um, has a triple A that typically has some resource navigation or at least a really good list of providers to touch base with 
and they maintain those lists um, pretty closely and help people in that resource navigation component. The um, other really common recommendation I have is the state assistive technology program. I believe all 50 states have a state AT program and that's run by different nonprofits typically. So here in Iowa, it's Easter Seals and they maintain a full tech library. So when we talk about the low to high tech options out there, they have all of those pieces. I shouldn't say all of them. They have a lot of those pieces that you can generally check out for 30 days at no cost to you and see if they work in your lifestyle before you make that purchase. So that's a really, really great option for people to um, tap into that are budget conscious and thinking about how to age frugally. I love that. So uh, it's really going to make a big difference um, for people to understand these things and take advantage of them. I, I think most people just think about hospice, right? And, and, or yes. Medicare, Medicaid, the, 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 the basics, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. And there's much more out there than just the basic and what's covered by your Medicare or your insurance plan. Exactly. Well, I love that you're just so concentrated on um, having people have the best quality of life they can possibly have. But Sydney, what gets you most excited these days? You know, I you talked about how uh, interesting the OT field is, and I am just continuously excited about how many OTs are coming out with these really innovative private practices and they're figuring out how to help people maintain that quality of life with some really interesting, um, unique niches and helping individuals to find those resources, right? It's all about who's in your corner. So I love talking to OTs that are up and coming or that have established practices about um, helping older adults age at home. I, d- I just love what you're doing, Sydney, and and I think that you're you're just a boss, babe, man, CEO. You're <laughs> you're rocking it, and I just I just see you just your business growing, and um, you providing information to other states and being a model for aging well. So um, thank you very much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast. 